friends and neighbors, this is Dr. Mark Jezinoski. This is the Wizard Podcast, episode 19. It is April 1st, 2020. And like all of you, I'm in quarantine in my home and trying to make sense of this time and place that we find ourselves in. I've been spending the past four or five days being a little extra quiet, a little extra mindful, you could say, of not just what I'm thinking and feeling, what's going on inside of me, but also just kind of listening, feeling for the pulse of what we collectively are feeling and experiencing during this time. I think when the landscape dramatically shifts in front of us, when our day-to-day life is dramatically changed and altered in a way that we don't feel control over, We naturally start grasping for reasons why. We start telling ourselves stories to make sense of what we're all experiencing. Some of the stories we tell ourselves are from a place of love, from a place of gratitude, from a place of adaptation and flexibility, from a place of being. Some of the stories we tell ourselves are from a place of grief and loss. And some of the stories we tell ourselves are from a place of fear. And I thought today I would try to explore, try to weave together those three concepts a little bit. Um, I went for a morning walk this morning. I'm really fortunate that I live in an area of San Diego that's a little more remote, a little more removed from what I understand from several of my clients that live more in, in the that live more in the city, in the more, I don't know, condensed, in the more dense areas of San Diego, let's say, near the beach, there's a lot more restrictions. There's actually, you know, the police are monitoring and moderating local neighborhoods, and people have to check in before they go into certain areas of Pacific Beach, for example. The beaches are closed down. I took my daughters this weekend to a place we go hiking near a a nearby river and I was really surprised that this kind of secret spot that I thought was relatively secret was being blocked by a a state trooper I don't know if it was a state trooper I think it was the parks and recreation but nevertheless they're definitely regulating places where people may accumulate and What I was struck by, and just to kind of explore my own response to to that experience of going to a place in nature, to bring my daughters to a place in nature, to get out, to do what I like to do to cope, which is to get out into nature, to get my feet on the ground, to smell the fresh air, to notice the open space, just to be in nature is incredibly healing for me. To be restricted from that was uncomfortable for me. My immediate response was one of frustration, was one of anger and fear, I would say. My mind went to, well, if they can shut us down this easily, this is concerning for me. If they can, they meaning, it's interesting how we throw that word they on things that we can't quite pin down. They usually mean some authoritative 
structure of power that we feel is not within our control. So my mind went to, well, if they can shut things down this easily and they can keep us from experiencing nature and experience just going out into the open wilderness, well, that's fairly concerning to me. Now, that was my initial response. That was my from the gut kind of response. That was my, that was the response of my attached self, my ego self, the part of me that has grown used to having so much freedom that I don't recognize that restrictions can quickly be put in place in times like these. So my immediate response was to push back, to lash out, and to be reactive to this authority figure that was telling me I can't go into nature. And I did what I do, and I noticed that response, and I thought about it, and I felt it, and I realized that None of us like to feel restricted. None of us like to feel controlled. None of us like to feel like our freedoms are limited. And we live in a place where we have experienced a, a degree of freedom that most human beings have not experienced in history. Well, in the, in the organized modern history, most human beings have not experienced that kind of freedom. So in that way, it, it helps me to not take my freedoms for granted. The fact that more often than not, I can get in my car. We can all get in our cars and we can drive wherever we want. We can cross state lines. We can cross international borders relatively easily. So the bigger message for me was once I worked through that initial thought, that initial feeling was not to immediately assume that there is some global conspiracy to restrict my freedom, which I can get to that part later. But my immediate reaction was fear restricts freedom. And in this case, I, I sort of got my mind into a place where I recognized that this particular shutdown, this particular quarantine this particular restriction of freedom is probably a good idea in the sense that we're restricting the spreading of a virus that could be fairly harmful to a lot of people. Of course, we can debate that type of intervention. There's a lot of ways to look at it and a lot of ways to debate it. You know, throughout human history, we were at the mercy of nature and we we were in much a much more adaptive, flowing relationship with nature. We had a much more symbiotic relationship with nature. Rather than assuming we could always control it or manipulate it, we had a much more symbiotic, flowing, accepting relationship with nature. So we can debate the fact that we have had a global intervention that is organized from a place of government and power. But for the moment in experiencing my thought process and thinking through that experience, my initial reaction was anger. My initial reaction was resistance to something that was imposed upon me that I did not like. My normal experience of having this freedom was reduced in that moment. And so I wanted to lash out. I wanted to act out. I wanted to push back. When I stepped back and thought about it, I recognize that 
under the circumstances, it's it's nothing more than a, a local park ranger being told by his boss, who is told by their boss and their boss and their boss, that we need to restrict places where people come together right now. And we need to do that to reduce the spread of this virus. And I'm going to take that at face value for the moment and just assume that that's a good approach in the context of a collective group of people who are trying to operate and work together in a collective manner. And then in pondering it, I looked at it from that place of fear, that fear restricts freedom. In general, fear restricts freedom. When we operate and act from a place of fear, our freedoms are restricted. And you can look for examples of this throughout human history and throughout our present day global context. Fear restricts freedom. We all have an individual responsibility to understand what fear is, to mitigate and moderate and make sense of, to an extent, the illusion of fear. And you, if, for those of you that have listened to me before, you understand that when I'm talking about the illusion of fear, what I'm talking about is the fact that if you think of us as a machine, we have this part of our brain called the limbic system that essentially is meant to detect danger. Really, it, it detects reward, it detects good things, and it detects bad things. It's supposed to detect lions and tigers and bears and things are, that are immediately threatening to us. That's really what it's made to do. And then we start wrapping language around danger and we start to tell a story about danger. So very quickly, danger becomes words, danger becomes ideas, danger becomes concepts. We wrap those concepts and ideas around our identity, our ego, our attached self, our practiced self, and suddenly ideas and concepts and words have the ability to trigger a fight-or-flight response or sort of this droning anxiety response that a lot of us are experiencing right now. So we're in a, a position right now where we are faced with some real danger I've definitely talked to enough of my healthcare professional friends to understand that this is a real thing, that this is a real issue, it's a real problem, it's, it's, it is scary if you're on the front lines of it, and we should all respect it. That is honoring danger, that's just being wise, that's getting our head out of the space of conspiracy and out of the space of reacting to the authority with resistance like I initially did in my experience this weekend, and understanding that respecting danger is probably a good decision for the moment. Letting go of certain things to honor that is a good decision, assuming that we want to live the way that we have been living. Again, that's within a sociocultural context. It's within a value-based context that we shut everything down the way that we do. And I'm not making a suggestion one way or the other. I'm saying we need to be mindful of the fact that the decisions we collectively make and or the decisions that we are sort of at the mercy of by the authority figures that we choose or that we allow to gain power, these decisions are based upon values and ideas and concepts. 
So my initial, so it's my, it's good to be mindful of danger. It's good to be clear and rational about those kinds of things. It's also our responsibility to understand the difference between danger and fear. Fear is danger wrapped in ideology and identity. So taking a step back from that experience, which is just a, a minor example of my personal experience of making relatively minor adjustments to, to what's taking place. I realize a lot of people out there are having to make much more radical adjustments. You know, we're all intertwined with the world to varying degrees. Some of us are very intertwined, meaning a lot of people have to get in their car every day, commute to work every day, work within the context of a, a company or a group of people. And so we're kind of intertwined with the working world. We're intertwined with this modern world that we've created. So I realize for a lot of people, this is a major adjustment. For a lot of people, it's a, it's a welcome slowdown. So to shift my thinking for a moment to get away from, you know, the fear-based response, I've been thinking a lot about what is the positive side of this experience? What is, what is good about this? And just at face value, I, I went for my morning walk this morning. Again, I live in an area that's less restricted, so I can go walking in my neighborhood and I'm not going to encounter any resistance or control necessarily right now. And the streets are very quiet. So on the positive side, there's less traffic, there's less pollution, there's less noise. You could say the world is allowed to be as it is a little bit more right now. We're not imposing our man-made structures on nature as much right now. So there's less noise, less pollution, less driving. And we're able to slow down and be still. You know, spiritually speaking, I think this is an opportunity to be still. I talked about this last week that we've all been given this opportunity to slow down, to be still, and to be in the present moment. I imagine a lot of people are doing their damnedest to escape the present moment, in, even in the context of the stillness that they've been given, meaning we binge watch TV, we, we diddle on our phone as much as we possibly can, we, we look for things to occupy the space of our mind and our body. We look for ways of, we look for means of escape from the present moment through the media that we have at our disposal. But on the positive side, I think we've been given an opportunity to slow down, an opportunity to be still, an opportunity to simplify, an opportunity to take a good look at our life and ask ourselves, what should we hold on to? What should we let go of? What are we individually feeding 
and and holding on to that is not in our best interest and that is not in the best collective interest and last night i did a long meditation for me that i did about an hour long meditation and when i say meditation i realize that means different things to different people for me it's it's quieting my mind and quieting my body it's allowing my mind to be quiet and it's allowing my body to be sort of in a state of rest and a state of peace. And, you know, sometimes I can take a few very deliberate breaths and focus my attention in my breath, meaning I'm taking my attention away from my thoughts. I'm allowing this this cyclical machine of thinking and problem solving, which instigates emotional response designed to control and protect which instigates behavior that's compensatory, that's designed to distance us from what we perceive as dangerous. In this case, it's the fear. So by listening to my breath, by slowing down, I'm able to dramatically reduce the noise of that system. I'm able to dramatically reduce anxiety. You can dramatically reduce anxiety by simply focusing your attention on your breath and allowing your thoughts to come and go as they as they will and recognize that if you can quiet the problem solving and reactive part of your mind then you can quiet the emotional part of your mind the emotional part of our mind reacts on autopilot it's designed to react automatically to the interaction of everything you've ever learned in your life sort of the algorithms of what you have learned in your life and the information that is being provided to you in the present moment by your senses. The information that is being provided to you in the present moment by your internal world in the form of your thought processes and the external world that is coming in through your senses. So our emotional brain, our limbic brain, is responding automatically to the data that is coming in to it It's literally how it's wired. Data goes into the limbic brain. The limbic brain takes a very quick look at it and decides whether it's dangerous or not, and it reacts accordingly. It's that simple. It just so happens that a lot of the data that's coming from our own programmed mind is extremely biased. It's extremely rooted in attachment, ideas, fears, that illusion thing. So the point is, last night I did a meditation, and my goal was to slow down. I noticed there were several things that I was experiencing frustration or anxiety with, sort of things that are droning in the background that I can't quite put my finger on, but I recognize that my world has been dramatically shifted and changed in the present moment. And I recognize that my emotional mind is perceiving that something is wrong because the habituated day-to-day life that I have lived has now dramatically shifted. So my goal in the meditation last night was to focus my attention in my breath, to focus my attention in the quiet moment, to allow my mind and body to be calm, essentially to diffuse, to diffuse that process to slow that process down and to allow myself to have a little vacation from stress, to have a little vacation from anxiety. Now, 
just to kind of go down that pathway a little bit for those of you that aren't that familiar with it, sometimes I can quiet my mind in a breath or two. Sometimes it's as simple as really focusing the attention on the breath, inhaling and exhaling and releasing and letting go and focusing that attention. And sometimes my mind is really busy. My mind is really stuck in a problem-solving mode, which is something I may get into later, sort of a, a masculinized mode. Don't confuse masculine and feminine with male and female. A masculine mode is when I'm trying to control, I'm trying to fix, I'm trying to control things. And in this context, I'm, my mind is trying to control a reality that is very much out of my control. So last night it took a lot longer to quiet my mind. Last night I had to trust that if I focus my attention on my breath, if I notice and observe my thoughts and feelings without necessarily reacting to them, in other words, if I recognize that I have a consciousness, I have a conscious self that is an observing self that can observe my thoughts, that can observe my feelings, that can observe this, this desire to control, eventually I can quiet that system down. I recognize that the systems of my mind and body are not necessarily who I am. It's not who I am in the truer sense. It's not my true self. It's not my soul. It's not my consciousness. So last night it took me about 20 minutes of very focused breathing and very focused darkness and allowing myself to just notice where my mind is going. Notice my mind keeps popping up with ideas and the mind is kind of like, what about this? What about that? Well, we should think about this. Hey, have you thought about this? Hey, Mark, what about this? Hey, should we obsess over this for a while? What do you think about this? You know, the mind is like an obsessive child sometimes. It's just freaking out. So it took me about 20 minutes to a half an hour to slow that down, to find a place of calm. For those of you out there that say, well, I can't meditate, or I'm not good at meditating, or I don't even understand the mindful thing, or that's just a, you know, you associate that idea with something that you don't want to be a part of. A lot of my friends on the right will associate those ideas with something on the left. It's in no way does it need to be associated in that way. It's a practice. It's a practice. So for those of you that have a hard time with that, just recognize you have practiced thinking and you've practiced reacting and you've practiced trying to control your inner and outer world for your whole life. And that's because you were born and raised in a cultural context that taught you, essentially, we, were, we, we exist within a cultural framework that is driven by a, a masculine ethos. And again, to describe that, the masculine is really dis defined by the need to shape, the need to control, the need to form. The feminine is really defined by a desire to flow, to create, to adapt, to nurture. Again, don't confuse this with man and, f and male and female. We, we the people, we have done that. We have 
misconstrued these ideas, misused these ideas. We've allowed ourselves to be co-opted by structures of power that use these ideas in some ways against us, either consciously or unconsciously. But in the moment, just pausing my mind, noticing I'm starting to go down a new pathway, just recognize that we are, it's probably strongly related to our evolutionary history, the way that human beings learn to adapt within the context of nature, that we developed masculine and feminine tendencies. It makes sense to control and to form and to shape. It makes sense to sharpen a stick and use that stick to, to hunt. It makes sense to create a pot and use that pot to as a receptacle to hold water. It makes sense to organize people and bring them together and protect each other from nature. It also makes sense to nurture and to flow and to adapt. You know, we could take this to a, a, a modern day context and understand that if we're willing to look at our political perspectives, if we're lo willing to look at our ideas and our attachments from, a, from sort of this masculine-feminine balance, what we need to understand is that it makes sense for us to control and form and manipulate in some ways on one side, and it makes sense for us to flow and adapt and let go on the other side. So human beings have benefited a lot by taking advantage of nature. And human beings have also harmed ourselves and the planet, or the ecosystem, let's say. The planet's going to survive. The ecosystem we've dramatically damaged by our need to manipulate and control and utilize the resources of nature. And politically speaking, you know, there's a time to control, there's a time to create a framework, there's a time to restrict people, there's a time to put people in quarantine and tell them they can't go outside and restrict them from doing the things they normally do. And there's a time to let go, and there's a time to allow, and there's a time to, to create a sense of openness and adaptation and freedom. So that's the masculine-feminine balance. So our world has been dramatically changed. We've all, all of us in this time and place have been born and raised in a relatively privileged landscape. We've all been, we're all used to the freedoms in front of us. We're all used to getting in our cars and going to the grocery store and driving where we want and being relatively unrestricted. There's sort of an illusion there, but we've been relatively unrestricted. Suddenly we've been put in a position of submission. We've been put in a position of surrender. We've been asked, we've been given the opportunity to be still. We've been given the opportunity to be still. And this is an opportunity to slow down. It's an opportunity to stop filling the space with distraction it's an opportunity to let go of old. It's a, it, How many of you, this is part of, of my experience, how many of you have been trying to let go of bad habits? Let go of, you know, how many of you have been trying to quit smoking, quit drinking, quit binge watching TV? How many of you have been trying to reduce the amount of time you spend on your phone? 
Well, this is an amazing opportunity to make big changes in your life. We've been given an amazing opportunity to make big changes in our life. We've been given an opportunity to connect with our families. We've been given an opportunity to connect with ourselves. If your response to this time is to try to hold on to the norm, if you're trying to hold on to the way things were, then what you're doing is you're acting from a place of fear. You're trying to control. You're allowing yourself to get caught up in the need to control. That is a way of managing your fear and anxiety. And I would just invite you, I would invite you to let go of the need to control right now. I, I would invite you to let go of the need to continue to live in the same way that you have been. Just take a good look at your own life right now. What would you benefit from letting go of? What would you benefit from surrendering to? Can you shift from acting from a place of fear or acting from a place of escape and avoidance, which is the response to fear? It's kind of a, a pseudo fight or flight type response to act from a place of avoidance and escape. And can you sit with yourself in the present moment? Can you sit with your family? Can you be in the present moment? Can you allow yourself to be? And can you allow that to be good enough? And I know I'm going back and forth a little bit here, but to be honest, everybody, there's just so many different things in my mind right now. There are so many different energies and emotions pulling at my mind and body. And so empathizing with you, there are so many different things pulling at us right now. You know, there's a very real reaction toward fear. There's a very real reaction toward what if. There's a really, so many people out there are suffering right now with loss. So many people out there are, are not knowing how to pay their bills. There's a lot of people out there, and I'm, in, I'm included in that, that live in a bubble. A bubble. That bubble is, you know, we, we're, we're not necessarily faced with the degree of loss that a lot of people are faced with right now. A lot of people are in profound pain right now. And I think I'm feeling that pain, and I'm empathizing with that pain, and you know, part of why I'm tangential in this moment is because there's so many different emotions and energies and ideas pulling at my mind right now. Bringing myself back, my own practice, my own way of coping with that has been to do my very best to live in the present moment, to do my very best to recognize that if I'm thinking into the future, if I'm, if I'm allowing my mind to try to hold on to and control if I'm trying to force my present world to be the way that it was a few weeks ago, then I am going to experience anxiety and fear. My goal and my task is to be connected to the present moment as much as I possibly can while also being mindful and wise of, of potential dangers and potential threats that are very realistic. 
You know, I need to make sure my family's safe. I need to make sure I provide for my family. I need to make sure that in some ways I'm, prov- I'm pr- providing a healthy boundary, a healthy, safe context for myself and my family. I also have to do that for the people I serve. And I'm also balanced. So I'm balancing that the masculine tendency to need to intervene and control and create boundaries and borders and support and protection with the, the more masculine or the more feminine energy of adapting to my present circumstances, allowing my present circumstances to be what they are, allowing myself to be where I am in my mind and body, modeling for my little girls what it means to be present, what it means to what it means to fully accept danger, what it means to fully accept the reality that we are faced with while also living in the present moment from a place of love, while also putting my attention into a place of love and joy. So getting back on track with the thought that I got lost on, ironically, about five minutes ago, the reason I get into meditation is that I want to clear the space in my mind. I want to clear the negative attachment and energy in my body. And I want to get myself into a place of calm in the present moment. Because then I can make wiser decisions. If I'm allowing fear to guide my decisions, I'm sacrificing wisdom. I'm not saying we should not respond to potential danger in a proactive, sometimes aggressive, sometimes protective manner. What I am saying is I want to do that as mindfully as possible. I want to do it with a clear mind and a clear conscience. So last night it took me 20 minutes to a half an hour to clear that space. To clear that space by putting my attention into my breath, by putting myself literally in a dark space, by focusing on my breath, by noticing and observing what my mind is trying to tell me and progressively letting it go. And if you're one of those people that says you're not good at that, it's just because you have practiced thinking your whole life. You have practiced trying to control your whole life. Where I got lost on my tangent is that We've all been born and raised in a culture that believes it has control over nature. We've been born and raised in a cultural ethos that believes that not only can we control nature, but that we have the, the right endowed to us by God to sort of dominate over nature. So just think about that. We've been born and raised... We've been taught that we have some sort of control over nature and over our existence that we actually don't have, that we just simply don't have. And we can mitigate it and moderate it to a certain extent, but the reality is we just don't have nearly as much control as we think we do. And, and that's kind of where I get to in that place of meditation is getting to a place of recognizing my limitations, recognizing 
where I need to adapt, where I need to surrender, where I need to accept, where I need to allow myself to be where I am and to model that for my family and friends. And to understand where I can intervene, where I can assert myself, where I can control. And ultimately, it's, it's to aspire toward a balance of energy, you could say, a balance of masculine and feminine energy. I think a lot about healing. I think a lot about what is healing. We have all sorts of different ideas about what healing is. Unfortunately, we believe that healing is symptom reduction in our culture. We believe that if you're depressed, somehow healing means getting rid of those depressive symptoms. What we don't, and I'm talking in the mental health context here, but what we don't understand is that the symptoms of depression are telling us a lot about how we perceive our present moment about how we perceive ourselves in the context of the world around us. Depression is essentially a perception of powerlessness, a perception that we need to escape because we're overwhelmed and threatened and we need to disappear. So unfortunately, we've been born and raised in a culture that tells us that healing is symptom reduction. If we can make bad feelings go away, and I don't even believe they're bad, but if we can make negative feelings go away, sometimes somehow that's healing. But in going deep down the rabbit hole of my own healing and going deep down the rabbit hole with a whole lot of people, going into the deep, dark spaces, what a lot of what some people like to call shadow work, going in going beneath the surface of consciousness and going into the space of fear and going into the space of attachment and going into the space of trauma, what I recognize is that healing is is finding a balance between light and dark within the self. It's finding a balance between masculine and feminine. It's recognizing when to act, when to shape, when to form, when to control. And it's recognizing when to let go and when to flow and when to adapt and when to allow. In some ways, I've discovered this more than anything through art. Making art requires a, a really dynamic masculine-feminine balance. You know, if you think about it, you're taking, you're taking materials, you're taking paint and mortar and, and whatever you're working with, and it has no inherent form, it has no inherent shape, it has no inherent ideology or metaphor or context until you shape it and form it. So that takes a real masculine-feminine balance. It, allow, it makes us, at once I have to flow, I have to be, I have to allow the, the emotions and the ideas and the, the energy to flow through me to form something. So it's inherently, I'm at once forming and shaping and controlling, and I'm also allowing and letting go and being. So it's this real masculine-feminine balance. So I think healing is this, it's a real masculine-feminine balance. It's recognizing where I have control and it's, and it's accepting where I don't. You know, there's a profound wisdom to the serenity prayer that became very, very popular because of Alcoholics Anonymous, but I believe the serenity prayer has deep roots in 
Greek mythology and, and, you know, the stoic, the stoic, I guess, let's just say stoicism. If you want to look it up, you can look it up. But this idea of being radically, radically accepting of things that are simply out of our power, being radically accepting of things as they are, and also being very clear and very deliberate about our actions and and what we do have some control over, what we can move and shape and form. And maybe transitioning into the space of grief for a moment. What is grief? We can think of it from many different ways. Grief is having to accept something has changed that we don't want to change. We have gotten used to a certain way of being. We've gotten used to the world being a certain way. We've gotten used to our life being a certain way. And suddenly it shifts in front of us. The, a more, the most profound example of grief for most of us is death, sudden death, when someone we love dies and we lose them and we can't control it. We can't do a damn thing about it. So we hurt, we hurt and we miss them and we grieve their loss. I read an article my sister-in-law posted on Facebook the other day and I thought it was really, really a good point and really in, in essence that we're all in, in somewhat a state of grief. Our normal way of living and being and existing has dramatically shifted right now. What's important to recognize is that grief is strongly related to spiritual surrender. We can learn a lot by <clears throat> by giving in to the process of grieving. One of the most important stages of of grieving is acceptance. Acceptance of things as they are. It's interesting. If you look at the stages of... of uh, oh, I hope that didn't just kick out my system. If you look at the stages of grieving, it's an inherently a masculine-feminine process. The first stages of grieving are trying to control. We deny. We simply say, nope, that's not real. That's not happening. I'm not going to believe that. I'm going to completely deny the reality in front of me to keep myself safe. We do that as children. We deny ourselves our reality. We deny shame. We cover up reality because we just don't want to face reality. Denial is an amazing tool. And then part of that is depression. We go into a state of depression where we we, we're in such a state of denial and, and perceived powerlessness that we just want to escape. And in essence, it's not coming to terms with reality as it is. We're in a state of avoidance. And if you think about it, that's a state of control. It's trying to assert control on your present internal and external world through control. That's an inherently masculine approach to things. The idea that you can force control on your existence. Interestingly, the latter stages of grieving are acceptance. It's profound acceptance. It's profound being. It's allowing things to be as they are and being okay with it. 
So I would say that we would all benefit as a human family. And this is just my perception. But if we want to make meaning out of this time, if we want to look at this time from a place of positivity, if we want to move, if we want to take something really positive out of this thing that has been imposed upon us, that has dramatically shifted our world, how about instead of imposing our will on things as we have been for as long as we have been, what if we let go a little bit? What if instead of living in collective denial and collective control and collective manipulation and collective fear, what if we live in collective acceptance? What if we live in collective being? What if we allow ourselves to slow down, to let go of all the distractions that we have allowed ourselves to become attached to, to all the things that were being sold? What if we let go of allowing our mind to become co-opted by all the distractions that someone is trying to sell you? What if we go through a collective stage of grieving? What if we go through a collective grieving process where we recognize that for a couple thousand years we have progressively allowed ourselves to believe that we can control and manipulate the world around us in a way that's actually not so good for us, in a way that's not so good for the ecosystem that we are a part of but it's just, it's just not so good for us to over-control and over-manipulate and over-utilize the natural world that we are a part of. Perhaps it's time to go through a state of grieving. Perhaps it's time to go through a process of letting go. Perhaps it's time to allow ourselves to live a little bit more symbiotically in the moment with our families, with our environment, with our world. Maybe we don't need to consume as much as we do. Maybe we don't need to take as much as we take. Maybe we learn to little, be a little more balanced within ourselves and we learn to be a little more balanced with nature. And we learn to recognize that we are an intimate, beautiful part of nature. And maybe we can learn to find a sense of balance within ourselves between the light and the dark, between the masculine and the feminine, between the right and the left. And you know what? I really appreciate you all for hanging in there with me today. I know that my mind is being pulled in many different directions as I know yours is as well. Get a hold of your compass. Get a, get a, get a grip on... What is driving your thoughts? What is driving your feelings? What is driving your day-to-day -day behavior? Try to allow yourself to see the positive in this time. Try to allow yourself to use this time as an opportunity to be still and to let go of those things that you know you've been holding on to that are not good for you. You know it. You know it inside. I know it inside. You know when something's good for you and when it's not good for you. We know collectively what's good for us and what's bad for us. Be well out there, my friends. Be well out there. And for all of you that listen to this, you know, all 10 of you that listen to this regularly, um, 
you're my friends, you're my family, you're my clients, your colleagues. And for anyone that I've gotten to share space with, I love you. I, I appreciate you. I wish I got to spend more time talking with you and sharing with you. And I hope that we can create, I hope that we can create lives where that is possible. I hope we can create lives where we, we take a good look at what we're feeding and what we're putting our time into and, and asking ourselves if it's really in our best interest. You know, I want to spend more time with you. I want to connect more with you. So take care. Take care. This is Dr. Mark Jezinoski. This is the Wizard Podcast. This is Wednesday, April 1st, 2020. Take care out there, friends and neighbors. Mm -hmm.